word requiem and something like Mozart's unfinished one may well come to mind. But a new spoken word and musical show is reimagining the requiem, both the text and the music. Five Wellington poets have written work based around epilogue and a group of musicians is creating scores that relate to each poem. There's also some Old English thrown in for good measure. Nigel Collins is one of the musicians working on Epilogue that will be performed for the first time as part of Wellington's Lermis Festival later this month. It's Andrew Laking and me who've been collaborating to come up with this idea and it, it just came out of the idea of Epilogue. Like the name of this show was Andy's idea, Epilogue. So we got talking about what that meant. He wanted to commission five local Wellington poets to talk about the idea in a short piece each, you know, I think he said five to ten minutes each, about what epilogue means to them. And then we started talking about what it meant to us because that's just such a beautiful provocation but pretty, you know, wide open. And our job was to come up with the music. So there's five poets from Wellington all speaking their own poem or piece of writing. You know, some of them are poems, some of them are more like calls to arms as they've worked out, you know, not necessarily rhyming or, you know, poetry in the conventional sort of sense. But our job was to come up with music that would go around them, six pieces of music to go around these five poets. So we then had to think about what the kind of structure of the the piece was going to be. And because it was called Epilogue, you know, we inevitably started thinking about endings and goodbyes and, you know, the downfall of civilization and everything else that's going around in the culture and in the world at the moment. And the idea of a requiem just came out of that. I said to him, oh, it sounds like... You know, it's a little bit like a requiem, isn't it, for something or for all of us or, for, you know, without wanting to get too dark. That's not how it's worked out, but that's just where the idea of requiem came from, that that's an old, old, old structure that goes back centuries and centuries, you know, I don't know, 1,500 years. Well, we tend to think of requiem, and I guess I'm thinking of Mozart in particular at the moment, as, you know, the, like the full orchestra and the big sound. But it feels like you're stripping back the meaning and the music of what we might instinctively think of as a requiem. I suppose so. I mean, Andy's idea was that he wanted to have the six pieces of music in the show going, not religiously, um, but going through a progression from old music to new music. So the, the, the early pieces in the show might be sort of medieval-ish sounding without wanting to, you know, make them exact copies of that because we wanted to just make them all contemporary as well in our own way. But old to new was the idea. So, you know, there actually is um, influences from several periods of European musical history in there. You know, there's a piece that sounds like it could come from the Baroque era, except it's been messed around with and deconstructed. There's stuff that might sound a bit more like the era of those big requiems in the 19th century. The big mass choirs. Yeah, 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 the huge sort of like Verdi and um, other people, Faure, that we're used to listening to if you're a classical music person. But, but also the idea of a requiem originally went back to plain chant, back over a thousand years ago, that's what it originally was before people wrote these huge lavish productions and called them requiems. So there's also that idea. The first piece is very sort of basic and medieval and it's, and it's um, the basic sound of it. And then the last piece, which I've written, is extremely contemporary. In fact, when I first gave it to Andy and said, oh, this one of mine might, might work, what do you think? And he, he looked, oh, it's sort of, it's very contemporary, isn't it? So, you know, we had to kind of find a, a way of fitting them all together and that shape just seemed to be the best way of doing it. I mean, then the idea of Requiem just completely got smashed and, you know... Reimagined. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it's not a religious 
thing in the sense of a Christian mass at all. But that inspiration is sort of behind the structure, you know. And as it's worked out, as the poets have written, it actually has quite a hopeful kind of almost spiritual you know, influence to the kind of writing, just because the idea of epilogue inevitably has made them think about the times that we're living in and what needs to change in the world and how bad it is and how good it you know, could be if we work to change it. Just to get back to the idea of what the words are in this piece was to set some of the poets that he'd commissioned, these five pieces of writing, he decided that he would take some of each of their pieces of writing and get them translated into Old English. It's sort of a bit of a leap in a way because why Old English? But then this is a midwinter festival and Loomis, his concept for the festival is very much about reconnecting with older ideas of what to do in the middle of winter to celebrate and to make it feel like there is an event that is happening that marks something significant in people's lives for the year and for the seasons and for the cycle of life, just to quote Elton John, circle of life, sorry, Elton. His solution was to translate some of the poetry into Old English. And so that's what our two brilliant singers, uh, Micah Beekman and Simon Christie, are singing. So there's a band of five of us, Andy and me playing the band, is Tristan Carter playing violin, Dale Jellyman, fabulous keyboardist, playing keys and synth, Dan Ubsley plays every instrument um, on the wind side of things, um, from Twinset and the Scribes of Ra and the, the Troubles, playing winds. And then there's our two fabulous singers, Simon and Micah, who are both brilliant opera singers, lived in the Netherlands for years. They are having to handle this um, old English text, which you don't know what it is. You're listening thinking, oh, it's people singing in another language. Okay, and they're opera singers, so, you know, professional international opera singers, so they sound amazing. But you're thinking to yourself, what is that language they're singing? Is it German? Is it Dutch? I don't know. And it's actually, you know, from the 8th century. You hear a piece of music, then one of the poets gets up and talks for five or ten minutes, and then we do another piece. Yeah, so while we're doing the music, that's when our two lead singers get up and sing in Old English. Of course, as you do. <laughs> as you do. It must be really interesting, actually, for the poets. And that breadth of what they're looking at, What can you explain what's maybe some of the themes that the different poets have taken under this umbrella of epilogue? Well, I've only heard two of them so far. Uh, we had a rehearsal the other day, which was the first time the band had got to hear any of the poetry as well, and it really influenced the way the rest of the rehearsal went because the poetry creates its own mood, And as you say, they're five different writers with different ideas, different personalities. So each poem is a very distinct atmosphere. We heard one by Chris Teese. His was the one I was referring to as a call to arms because it was just sort of this, almost like a manifesto, kind of an angry, hopeful, lamenting, funny, indignant piece of, long piece of almost prose, you know, just... um, rather than poetry but he was saying this is where things are at it's not great but we can grab ourselves and pull ourselves up out of this and here's how we could do it that's what it came across like to me so he was punching you in the heart you know some of the time and then also grabbing your hand and going come on so that was an amazing you know vibe to have in the room when we'd just been figuring out you know g flat major or whatever (laughs) suddenly we got the idea okay this is what the audience is going to get they're going to get these really atmospheric very different bits of writing which are kind of 
political just by the nature of the piece. I love the, um, the the breadth of the poets too because, I mean, on one side you've got Harry Ricketts who's been you know, writing poetry mm. and teaching for decades now. He's about to retire. And you've got Ruby Solly who kind of burst onto the scene in the last few years. So you've mm. got that breadth of age, um, of experience, of perspective, yeah? Totally. And across cultures as well, you, you know, there's people from Asia and the poets Ruby works in Te Rio a lot and has that ancestry, um, partly, you know, she's in her 20s. Harry must be grandfather age. He is. <laughs> um, I remember him teaching me at Vic years ago, you know. So, as you say, there's a very wide breadth, and I think that was deliberate on Andy's part as well in curating the piece. He wanted there to be breadth and um, different perspectives. How are you finding this, Nigel? I mean, you've, you've played with all sorts of different people, including the Concords who work in their own way, but this kind of collaborative process, how are you finding it? from a musician's perspective? What's been the most interesting thing for you? Well, really, it's, just, it's very rewarding. The open-endedness of, has been the most interesting part. We really didn't know what we were going to come up with. Maybe Andy knew more than me what he was aiming at, and my role has been more supporting his idea, although, like I say, I've, I've created one piece for it and we've collaborated on the rest. But just that it was led by the idea, the, the thing about the concept of epilogue is, like I said earlier, it's quite broad, but it's extremely evocative. And I think that's what he liked about it. As soon as you say, oh, it's a concert about epilogue, about what that is and what that means, it's intriguing, but it's also very mysterious. You, know, you go, your imagination just starts playing straight away, or mine did, you know, that's what I've liked about it the most. And we've had to figure out for ourselves how to pay that off. And because there's been so many brilliant people involved, it hasn't been up to us to do that. But you can see with hindsight that the idea itself had a lot of juice in it. And so that's been the most exciting thing, is just try to figure out how to run with that idea and give people an experience that pays off the promise of the idea, I suppose. Also, Andy's great great to work with. He's come up with great tunes. Some of them he wrote on his phone, on the bus. You know, we've used every sort of uh, way of coming up with the music. We've jammed, of course. We've rehearsed. He, you know, worked on his phone using GarageBand to come up with some of the tunes. You know, it, it's just been playing, in a, you know, which is always fun. Nigel Collins. Epilogue plays on the 19th of June at St Peter's on Willow Street as part of the Lermis Festival in Wellington.